This is the Bible in one year, day 362. Covenant of love. When my daughter got married, I walked her down the aisle at the front of the church before all their family and friends in their overflowing love for each other. She and her husband promised exclusive loyalty. They made a covenant of love. It was a love-filled occasion. A covenant is two people or two parties entering into a formal agreement. The making of covenants was a common feature in the ancient world. A covenant would often be made with a solemn action such as a blood sacrifice. The idea of covenant is so important in the Christian Bible that the two parts came to be called the Old and New Testaments, testamentum being the Latin word for covenant. Although the new covenant was different from the old one, both covenants come from God's abounding love for you. Psalm 148 Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Praise God for his intimate friendship. Did you know that you can be an intimate friend of God? This is what it means to be part of his very own people who love God. This is what God's covenant of love is all about. As a result of God's love for him, the psalmist's heart is bursting with praise. He calls the whole created world to praise God, as well as the whole of humankind. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. The psalm reaches its climax. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart, intimate friends of God. A horn symbolizes the strength of the Lord and found fulfillment in Jesus. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He did this out of his great love for us. He made a covenant of love because he wants a people close to his heart. No wonder the psalm finishes with a shout of, Praise the Lord! Lord, thank you that you make a covenant with me, that you draw me close to your heart and call me your intimate friend. New Testament, Revelation 19. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. 
On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in mid-air, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulphur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Thank Jesus for paying the price. God's covenant comes at a price, but the price is paid not by us, but by God himself in the person of Jesus, whose blood was shed for you. John sees Jesus riding a white horse. He describes him with four names. First, faithful and true. With justice he judges. He pierces the secrets of our hearts. His eyes are like blazing fire. He has universal authority. On his head are many crowns. Yet in spite of our unfaithfulness, he is faithful and true. Throughout the Bible, we read of the faithfulness of God to his covenant and promises. Supremely, the faithfulness of God is seen in Jesus, the one who is faithful and true. Second, the name only Jesus knows. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. God's revelation of himself in Jesus will not be completed until we see him face to face. Third, the word of God. His name is the word of God. The word of God is how God communicates with us. The supreme revelation of God is in the person of Jesus, the word of God. He is dressed in a robe soaked with blood. This is the evidence of his abounding love for you. This is the blood of the covenant. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. Fourth, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the name written on his robe and on his thigh. He leads the church dressed in fine linen, white and clean. This is the one before whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No evil can stand before Jesus. Ultimately, all evil will be destroyed. The final battle will not be a battle at all. The demonic powers will be thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, and God's enemies that oppose Christ will be stripped of their power once and for all. The dramatic imagery is there to show us how total the victory of Jesus will be. The great victory has already been won by him who is faithful and true. Through the cross and resurrection, he has already defeated all the powers of evil. The victory we read of here is a foregone conclusion when Jesus arrives on the scene. Lord, thank you for your sacrificial covenant of love and that you are faithful and true, abounding in love, and that one day we will see you face to face.
Old Testament, Nehemiah 9. On the twenty-fourth day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshipping the Lord their God. Standing on the stairs of the Levites were Jeshua, Benai, Cadmiel, Shabaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Benai, and Kenanai. They cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Jeshua, Cadmiel, Benai, Hashabniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shabaniah, and Pethahiah, said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God, who chose Abram, and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. You have kept your promise, because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them, so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, or when they committed awful blasphemies. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, 
the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, but you gave them water for their thirst. For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands along with their kings and the peoples of the land to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets, who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers, who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies, so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion you delivered them time after time. You warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, of which you said, The person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked and refused to listen. For many years you were patient with them. By your spirit you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes, the hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. In all that has happened to us you have remained righteous, you have acted faithfully, while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today. 
slaves in the land you gave our ancestors, so that they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. Trust God for his provision. Do you ever find yourself in a desperate situation, crying to God for help and making all kinds of promises of what you will do if he answers your prayer? Then, when God does answer, you forget and begin to drift away from him again. The history of the people of God is very similar. When God blesses us, we can become complacent, start to compromise and fall into sin. Then we cry out to God and he delivers us and has mercy on us. Then we become lax again. Certainly I have sometimes found this to be a pattern in my own life. But this is not how we're meant to live. God made a covenant with his people, starting with Abraham. It was a covenant of love. He promised to provide bread from heaven for their hunger and water from the rock for their thirst. He wanted them to live by faith in his provision. God wants you to trust in him. Make a decision today not to worry about tomorrow. Trust him to provide for you every day, one day at a time. God does not just love you. He abounds in love for you. He loves you as if there was only you to love. The walls have been rebuilt. The law has been read. Now the people recognize the abounding love of God and his covenant of love with them. They realize that God has blessed them in an extraordinary way. Yet, when they think about their own lives, they see how undeserved it is. They come together with fasting and prayer. They stand and confess their sins and wickedness. They read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. No doubt, as they hear the words, their sins are brought to light. They spent another quarter in confession and worshipping the Lord their God. Their prayer is a model prayer. It starts with worship. Having praised God for his abounding love in creation, they praise him for his abounding love in history. They recall his covenant of love and faithfulness to Abraham, Moses and the people. They recall that in spite of all God's abounding love and generosity, the people were arrogant and bullheaded and wouldn't obey. Sometimes, like them, I fail to remember the miracles God has performed among us. Yet God's love abounds. A forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, incredibly patient, with tons of love, amazing compassion, showing them the right way to go. You gave them your good spirit to teach them. You never stinted. You supported them. They reveled in your bountiful goodness. As they rehearse their history, the same pattern is repeated over and over again. God blesses them, but then they rebelled. You made life rough for them, but when they called out for help in their troubles, you listened from heaven. But as soon as they had it easy again, they were right back at it, more evil. They cried out to you again. In your great compassion, you heard and helped them again. You didn't walk out and leave them for good. Yes, you are a God of grace and compassion, loyal in covenant and love. It was because the people were unable to keep their side of the covenant that God promised he would make a new covenant. The new covenant is sealed by the blood of Jesus and involves the Holy Spirit coming to live within you to help you to keep your side of the covenant and to abound in love for God and for others. 
Father, thank you that you made a covenant of love with me, which was sealed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that you've given me your Holy Spirit to help me to abound in love for you and for others. Pippa adds, In Nehemiah 9, verse 16, we see that the people of Israel just go round in circles. They rebel, get oppressed, cry out to God, get rescued, forget God, rebel again. I would have thought that God would get fed up with them, but I don't suppose I'm much better. So I'm glad that our God is forgiving, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love.